Hey guys, what's up? Today we have an interesting, fun podcast. I'm going to talk about doubling down on yourself and betting on yourself when the going gets tough. I think a lot of people give up too easy and, you know, just bomb out on their diets and bomb out on their training plans. And I'm going to go through some things that might help you to stay on track and keep moving along, as well as talking about the state of affairs in this country. Russell and I talk about a little bit of everything, including including the brand new Oreo Ritz Cracker peanut butter concoctions that they came out with. So stay tuned for that. Flying out of Sacramento, California. What you gonna do? Better. Stronger. Son of a bitch. Faster. Oh, yeah. So I listened to that most recent. Oh, I listened to about 30 minutes of that most recent episode of Are You Garbage? Was the guy that owns a sandwich? Company? Oh, that was great. Oh, good, right? Hey, that guy, I, I like that. Like, I like that that guy's business is like he's got the eight course sandwiches. But just the way they're talking, like the way that they make fun of each other is great. I like the way that they just make fun of each Who's other. Who's the guy H something? The main H host? Foley. No wonder you love that guy. That guy, he's great. He he, remi- he just reminds me of somebody from Poughkeepsie who's fat and doesn't give a fuck. Well, I mean, to the very, <laughs> I mean, very much yes. Like, when you go to Alabama, you hear Southern talk. Yeah. When I listen to you talk, I hear Jersey, right? I hear, I listen to that guy. I hear Yeah, that guy's Eastern. like, you, you guys. He's like Philadelphia, I think. It, well, it, well, one of them, I think one of them's Philly and one of them's New York, I think. I think the other dude is Philly because he says, like, you guys, and that's a very Philly. Yeah. And it's as, as much as cadence as anything else. Like, I mean, he, he has, you guys really found, you guys talk real, real up front on the throat. It's real, it's got a rasp to it. Yeah. It's, it's like, you guys, you guys like practically, even you, if you ever listen to yourself talk objectively, it's almost like you're singing. Like you have such a reverb. But I'm a in. terrible singer. Well, but you've got such a, you and him both have such a natural reverb. I mean, they call it voice crackling. It's what made a lot of a lot of professional actors famous and it's what made the kardashians kind of they oh, once yeah. once women started voice crackling and taking it to 11 it really got brought up but men have been voice voice crackling forever and but when you hear a valley girl voice crackle it sounds so odd but just his dude his cadence it's hard he is so easy to listen to like his voice is amazing yeah and, I, li- I just like those guys i think they're cool they're doing something innovative. They're doing something different, right? Like they're, they're a podcast that's different. You listen to it and it's like, are you garbage? Like, you know, like when you don't have your, uh, you know, you go outside and there's ice on the windshield. What do you do to scrape it off? And it's like they, they go through the different, you know, yeah. things. And a guy's like, I'm using a credit card. You know, another uh-huh. guy's like, I'm using a, you know, it's like, it's just funny because this is dumb shit that you, uh-huh. you think of like every day, like, you yeah. know. It's nice too, like in a world of West Coast podcasts where everything's meant to be like Rogan esque and super conversational, to hear them put a little radio, a little Opie and Anthony, yeah, back into it, like they're they're doing like they're 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 still very aware. They're putting on a show, mm-hmm. like they're not just talking. They're doing reads. They're doing monologues. It's, it's it was it was good. I can see why you like it so much. I'm going to keep listening to it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Every once in a while, you'll listen to like too many of them in a row and you'll be like, oh, I'm kind of sick of this. But then you go right back to it and you're like, oh, this is great. Like yeah. if you take like I took like a two week break from it because I got bored with it. 
because I listen, I always do like I'll, um, I'll binge listen to a bunch of shit, you know, and then I'll get sick of it and then I'll like, I'll sort of revolt on it. But yeah. then if I go back to it, then I know it's really good. Yeah. So if it's something where I'm like, okay, I listen to Are You Garbage and I listen to 10 episodes in a row, got a little sick of it, yeah. dropped off for a couple of weeks. Then I came back to it because I was trying to find other podcasts and had no luck. Mm -hmm. And I come right back to that and go, this is great. Why did I stop listening to this? Yeah, like, yeah. that's kind of what happened to me. And so I fell in love with it again, which is kind of cool. I do that with Tim Dillon, and I do that with uh, American Glutton. There's just, we only have so many hours a day to give to, quote unquote, watching TV. Or I mean, It's it, hard because I try to look for new stuff all the time, and I hardly find things that I can, like, really connect with or really, you know, get into. And when I find those, they're, like, gold for me. It's like I got to – I become, like, religious about it. Like, I love Adam Curry's podcast, mm -hmm. and I don't really listen to the whole thing. I, li I listen, like, up to the point where they do the break, and then they do all the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, all the people that give them money and everything. They, mm -hmm. they do all that stuff for, like, an hour. Mm -hmm. So it's like I just don't listen to that part because mm -hmm. it's not that interesting to me. But the beginning of it, like you said, putting a little radio into it, mm -hmm. that's really interesting They stuff. put a show on. Yeah, it's cool. It's yeah. really cool. Well, and they also have like two thousand people while they're live looking stuff up. Like they they have like that troll room, and that's like you know they they have a ton of contributors. So is there a website going yeah. with it where there's like a chat feed? Yeah, noagenda.io or whatever, and you go on there like while so they do the podcast and they stream it live in the morning mm -hmm. on Thursdays and Sundays. And you can listen and participate live. So you can be like, hey, Adam, that was wrong. Like, blah, blah, blah. Here's the information. Boom, send them a link. They'll pull up the link right there. You hear them a lot of times do that. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll say, oh, like, let's ask the trolls, you know, or whatever. And that just means that they're, they're sort of – but the whole time they're taking instructions and clips and everything from that feed. But those people also contribute, like, throughout the week. So, like, say I find a good clip, I might send it in. You know, and, and a lot of people do uh, what's really cool is they have, like, these really big compilations of things. And a lot of people will send in, you know, like, they'll take a comp compilation of all the people, you know, talking about COVID. And they'll put it together in a nice, like, three-minute segment. And they'll just send it to those guys so they don't have to do the editing of it and all that, which is really cool. You mm -hmm. know, they outsource their things to fans. Like, they outsource the artwork to fans. I it's what a dis, what a choice to not live stream on YouTube like say Pat McAfee or 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 uh, Crowder or I mean those there are a lot of daily live stream shows where you know like you can sub like I mean that's it, when when you're a casual fan but you are a fan yeah. to sub to someone you know even at, like a lot of those channels they'll make it like you have to sub to, to type in their chat. Yeah. Sub only chat. It's very common in those kind of like big names. They're leaving so much money on the table and I really kind of admire it. Yeah. You know, I really kind of admire it. But also question it. Is it just it's just his what do you what's the motivation for that? His just You don't want to be owned by anybody. Oh you know, that's God. that's what I wanted to talk about today actually. Is that kind of stuff, you know? Like I feel like um, with me, with filmmaking, I've gotten to a point with my filmmaking where like, I'm done with Netflix. I'm done with Amazon. I'm done with Hulu. I want to start talking to people like Ben Shapiro. I want to make a difference in this world. Mm. And you can't make a difference when somebody's telling you what you can and cannot say. Now, I've never had Netflix do that, right? Like, I need to like, just make my movies 
but it's hard to make your movies nowadays because it's hard to just get like independent funding and go ahead and do that. And especially like when COVID hit, nobody wanted to invest any money into anything. And then, you know, the model that I've been going on lately, which I actually just disagree with and I, I need to just cha- get out of it myself, is this model of waiting for somebody to give me permission to do what I'm fucking great at. It drives me nuts. And that's what I'm living. I'm living my life waiting for other people to tell me it's okay to make a movie. And I'm like, I went to Sundance. Where did you go? You know, the people that work at Netflix, where did they go? One of my ex-girlfriends works at Netflix and she's like an executive, has no film experience, has no, like, you know, no, uh, didn't go to USC film school. And that's the person that's going to tell me that I can't make a movie about what I want to make a movie about, you know? And in pitching some of these things that I've pitched lately to Netflix, like my film Meatheads, which is about eating meat and how eating meat could be good for you and good for the planet. If we have healthier people, we have a healthier planet. There's obviously a lot to that and a lot to digest in there. Um, But, you know, we went and pitched it to Netflix and they're kind of, they loved it when we pitched it. And then, you know, two, three weeks later, they pass on it. And yet they have these garbage vegan movies that they get behind. You know, they they, they put a lot of money into like game changers. They put a lot of money into these plant-based movies that are all lies and all fake and not based in any science. Like if you look at uh, the Game Changers movie, they did all these experiments like in the movie. You can't do an experiment in a movie, you know, like you could, but it'd have to be done in a lab, you know, but they're not doing it in a lab. They're just like taking people off the street and, and doing it. And, you know, so it's like, I guess I'm tired of waiting for people to tell me I'm good at what I'm good at, mm-hmm. you know, and I need to change that. It's something like that I need to change. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes a long way into like what's going on a lot uh, in society right now. It's like I need to help my I'm really uh, re- realizing like if I want to be super successful like my brother is, like a lot of other people around me are. I need to just double down on what I'm good at and double down on me, you know, and bet on me. And I think there's a lot of people out there that don't bet on themselves they don't put the effort like everything we do is an investment into ourselves and so uh we're working with with a group trying to help people lose weight right Mm -hmm. and that i'm on that mission like hey i'll help anybody lose weight i'm here for you all the time uh if you need me most people don't need that much instruction it's like hey here's the rules follow these rules but my message to everybody lately has been like hey i know people fall off try not to fall off like and they fall off because of reasons, uh, they're kids, right? They fall off because of their job. And my message is don't let that make you fall off. Double down on the diet, like double, when times get hard, you get harder, you know? You go, you know what? I'm gonna go on two walks today, you know? Mm-hmm. Rather than saying like, um, oh, my life's miserable and can't go out for another walk or can't eat good because, you know, this happened or that happened, I really believe in doubling down on yourself and and betting on yourself and just saying, you know what, uh, whatever, because look, my, this journey for me has been, you know, out of addiction and back in a sort of normal life. And it's taken me like, you know, eight years just to kind of get normal again. You know, mm-hmm. it's taken a long time, but every time when things got dark or things got really bleak, 
what I would do is I would train more. I would train harder. The more pain I'm in, the more I train, which probably doesn't make a lot of sense to <laughs> most people, mm-hmm. but it's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. That I'm not gonna get better sitting around, and I know that. And I wanna let a lot of other people know that. Like Nobody's coming to save you. Nobody's coming to help you. Nobody, nobody cares about you besides yourself. And when I say that nobody cares about you, I don't really mean like nobody cares about you, but very few people actually care. You know, when somebody dies, it'll ruin somebody's day for like a day, unless you're really close to them. But then it's over, then it's done. Then it's like, oh, so you hear so-and-so died? You know what I mean? Like we're all going about our lives. We're like, nobody cares. So you have to care way more than anybody else cares. And you have to put in the effort and you have to go out of your way to get the education. And like what I try to do with people in our weight loss group, for example, I'd rather give them a podcast of an expert to listen to. Like you don't have to listen to me, but here's a podcast with like Stan Efferding or here's a podcast with so-and-so, this guy, that guy, because I want people to learn and be able to like fend for themselves. You know, and I've, I've gotten into this like attitude lately where like we have this baby formula shortage and it's complete bullshit. Like baby formula is not good for kids, right? But, but it's a necessary evil. It's something that we, you know, before the 1950s, we didn't have baby formula. Like it didn't really exist, you know? So what would we do? We would give kids milk. We would give kids other, you know, other things in the, in their bottles. And it's made me really seriously think about like, so Mark brought this to my attention and it drove me crazy. Like it was driving me crazy all day because uh, we went to uh, an event at Greg Glassman's house. He's the one that uh, invented CrossFit. And Mark and I were like on our way driving to his house. And Mark's like, well, you know, like baby formula, it's all fake news. You know? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, don't you need like baby formula? It's got like certain ingredients that the baby needs. Right. And he's like, no, no, it's just like protein and, and like vegetable oil. I'm like, no, it's not. It's got like, it doesn't have like colostrum and it has like all these things that mother's milk has in it, right? Like, and I start looking into it and I realize like, no, it doesn't have that stuff in it. It's a protein drink with vegetable oil in it. You know, and if you look at the ingredients of things like Ensure for old people, it's very similar. It's a baby formula for old people. You know, it's a form, it's like what keeps us alive, protein, fats, and carbohydrates. Well, that's what's in the drink. And rather than the F, so you go online and this is what infuriates me is that nobody has an answer. Nobody, right? This is where I get into like, nobody's coming to save you. So nobody has an answer for it. And they're like, Hey, if you have a baby and you run out of formula and you can't breastfeed, guess what? You're pretty much screwed. I mean, that's, that's where we're at. Right. Whereas the FDA who's supposed to look after us and uh, help us is saying, don't make baby formula at home. It could be deadly. And then you're like, oh my God, it could be deadly, you know? But then you look in the baby form, you're like, why couldn't I make that at home? It's like protein powder. And they actually use vegetable oil, which I would use like a healthier fat than that. Um, but actually a lot of people think vegetable oil is really healthy. I just ha- happen to be one of them that would disagree with that. I just think it hasn't been around for a long time. And I think we'll see the, uh, we'll see those effects come out later on, you know? Uh, they're just not coming out yet because it hasn't been around that long, you know? But um, I could be wrong on that. But basically, like what I'm saying is the FDA that's supposed to protect us could, instead of telling people not to make it at home, could provide a proper ratio because these things do need, and I'm cautioning everybody, you don't want to make baby formula at home unless you actually knew 
the right ratios of what to put in it, right? Isn't that the point, though? I think you're saying the FDA could say, avoid these common mistakes. Yeah, yeah. When making make it dangerous, do it. This is the preferred safe method for an at-home solution. What right? if the FDA came out with like, hey, a video, a YouTube video. That's why everybody communicates now from the FDA saying, this is how you make homemade baby formula. Yeah. Why can't they do that? Right. Because the companies would go crazy. Right. The company, all the companies, the pharmaceutical companies, because guess who makes baby formula? Fucking Abbott, the same company that's making our, you know, drugs. Wow. You know? So it's like when you look at who's making the baby formula, you know, it's the same people making our prescription drugs. They're all in cahoots with the FDA. They're all in cahoots with the government. And I hate to get into like, conspiracy theories but why is the fda telling us don't make baby formula at home and not giving us a recipe to fix it you know and that goes again into doubling down on yourself and what you know and finding answers for yourself about almost everything because what i've found is that when when you start like digging into things and looking into things you realize like so many things that we're told are just wrong and unless we go and we investigate these things, like I never knew, I feel like an idiot. Like my brother, Mark, he's not, he usually doesn't like read into things like this. So I, I was surprised that he knew. He's like, oh, that's all, you know, you don't need that. But he's gone through it because he has kids. So he knew because he's had that in his house before. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. Like my, you know, message lately to people is like, it's, you know, we're in these uh, summer months, it's getting, hotter out you know and i see less and less people coming to our gym you know but there should be more and more people you have more time you have more you have more free time um but that doesn't mean to waste it this is a great time to use it on yourself you know and so i don't know i just like to remind people that when the going gets tough get tougher you know i hate to say to people um you know like there's a saying in carnivore is like well carnivore harder you know and I don't necessarily believe in that. I don't believe in doubling down on, like, because you've picked a carnivore diet, you double down and you eat more meat, whatever. That's not necessarily what I mean. Um, what I mean is that, like, I see a lot of people doing a keto diet or a carnivore diet, and they don't do well on it. They're not doing well. They've been doing it for five years, and they haven't lost any weight. Well, that's a time to reflect and look at yourself and rather than doubling down on the diet that hasn't worked for five years, maybe you should switch your diet. You know, maybe you should think, think your way out of these things. Like every time I get myself into a little bind or a little problem, I just stop and try to think my way out of it. How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get to the next level? You know? And, um, I don't know. Things have just been eye opening lately. Like when I say nobody's coming to save you, it's, you look at these, school shootings that have been going on right school shootings i just looked online right now there's a shooting in a parking lot in iowa yesterday there was a shooting in a hospital in um tulsa oklahoma and it's like it's we it's a sad state of affairs but um how do we prepare for these things you know how do we stop these things how do we you know i've never been a guy i've never owned a gun i've never shot a gun I've never wanted to have a gun. Never fired a firearm? Never. Really? Never once in my life. Wow. Okay. Nope. And um, I never- an alpha male. That just sort of surprises me. I never believed in them. I've never wanted to kill anyone. Sure. 
you know. Um, but now it almost seems stupid to not have a gun, you know. Yeah. Like my dad just went out and bought a gun. And I was like, what are you doing buying it? Like, you know, we weren't brought up that way and you didn't raise us that way. And my dad's like, well, they're trying to take away this right. And before they take away this right, I just want to have a gun, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's start, things are starting to make a lot of sense. And not like I want to get a gun to actually utilize it. I hope I would never have to use it. But it makes me think if I'm doubling down on myself and insuring myself, shouldn't I insure my own safety also? So and the safety of the others around me. Let's go, uh, let's go to the gun store after this podcast today. Today is today. I'm going to go get that Glock 17 I've been eyeing for like eight years. <laughs> Let's go today. You really want to go get it? I, I, yeah. You know what? I would if you want Well, you know, Governor Newsom is talking about like, hey, we're going to be the first state to you know, be like Canada. You know, and I'll tell you. And ban I, the guns. I got a, te- I got a text message from, from the gov. And first of all, I was like, how the hell did you guys you- are buddies? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, he doesn't invite me to the French Laundry when no. we're in COVID shutdown. But uh, other than that. Um, and I, 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 I got that. Sign this petition. This petition. Like, first of all, this man has no credibility in in my eyes. He he did not lead us well through the. Well, crisis. I voted to recall him. Oh, uh, did I? I don't even think I voted because I, I, I should have. I I normally vote. I don't think I got in on that one. Um, but uh, because I don't think I knew who we would recall him with. Yeah, I know. That's the same thing as like Larry Elder, the guy that scamming everybody for uh, pain relief on, you know, like you see that relief factor commercials on TV where they're selling uh, fish oil basically to kill your pain. You've seen those commercials, right? I haven't seen them. Oh, my God. If you like. So this is what drives me nuts is because I listen to some of these things. Um, if you watch Fox News at all, you'll see all these commercials for relief factor. And um, if you listen to Sir, for whatever reason, I think they're politically aligned. It's like my pillow. If you turn on Fox News, you'll see commercials for my pillow and Relief Factor. Mm. And you turn on CNN, and it's like other. There's other things that they have that Fox doesn't have. Pharmaceutical right? drugs. Well, both of them <laughs> yeah. are are about eighty percent pharmaceutical. Yeah, it, both of them. And when I use before I, I, and I know we we have slightly differing opinions, but uh, I always knew that. Uh, that Fox was a work. Yeah, I always knew it. It took me a long time to realize that MSNBC was just as much of a work. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's not that they don't tell you truths; it's the truths that they omit is how they get away with it on both sides. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, that to be said, I I would watch I would watch my Chris Matthews watch my Hardball before he got me too, which maybe it was rightly so. I I never. I don't think that ever came out on why he got Me Too, but I know it was had to do something with Me Too because his farewell speech sort of said something to the point. But uh, and and maybe it was deservingly. Um, but I would just marvel at uh, I would marvel at all of these Shell Oil commercials that was just littered throughout this uh, broadcast. I'm like, this is nothing but pharmaceutical and big oil. Yeah. That, there has to be something behind that, Chris. Oh, absolutely. And and so that's like, you can't trust the news on, on either side. And like, I actually, every single day, I flip flop back and forth and I listen, I listen to all three sides. Yeah. You know, to me, there's three sides. There's the left, the right, and the independent, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll listen to all of them. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear what everybody has to say. Like, I'll listen to one and I'll kind of laugh 
and I'll listen to the other and I'll kind of laugh because I know like there's half truths in all of it. Mm-hmm. I know there's certain people that are favorite characters on one side, but not the other. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting is that are the people like um, Elon Musk, who like it seems like he's very much liked by Fox and those people, but he's on the other side. He, he's basically like telling everybody like I've never voted Republican before, but I'm thinking about it, you know? And so they like him until he does something that they don't like, then they'll slam him. But it's just interesting because you have these people they, that are the favorites of either side, yeah. and you're never really getting the truth. Yeah. And that's why you need to take a look at some of the independent media. Like I like listening to like Tim Pool, and yeah. I like, li- you know, I like listening yeah. to like people that are um, just have differing opinions. You know, one of the things I'm really um, interested in is, is actually taking my filmmaking career and doing something more independently, doing something with one of these companies that like are independent. Like that and now, yeah, and the Daily Wire um, is definitely going to be, you know, conservative. Man, like it's I really good, hope but, the Gina Carano movie is good, by the way. I so they just came out with a movie called What is a Woman? And it seems like it's causing a huge stir. I was actually going to join Daily Wire today just to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. It's Matt Walsh goes out and asks people, like, what is a woman? Mm-hmm. And the trailer is amazing. You might even want to pull it up and, yeah. and play a little bit of here. The trailer for What is a Woman is, cra- is great because it's the kind of filmmaking that I want to do. It's the kind of thing where I want to just go out and ask questions that make people uncomfortable to answer. You know, they, they don't have an answer for it. Like, I don't know. But, like, half the trailer for this movie is simply just people today hey play it is that the trailer yeah i think so well put trailer in what is a woman trailer this is matt walsh's channel yeah but just go to what is a woman trailer because you want want the actual movie trailer right and and half of this trailer is just people walking out of the interview (laughs) like you'll see this is great you just play a little bit of it play like a minute of it maybe You'll get the gist after the minute. But see, Daily Wire presents. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles. I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. How do I know if if I'm a woman? That's a great question. You're not a scientist. You're not a gender studies major. No. How do you know that you're a man? I guess because I got a dick. You're affirming it with hormones that have never been used in this way. Puberty blockers, so which are completely right there, reversible. Like, I, we're done here, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of that going on, which I, I really love. But what I love about this movie is whether you agree with it or not, it's taking chances, you know? It's a documentary where, like, I, where I saw the trailer for that, and I am not a member of Daily Wire. I don't really follow what they're doing. But now I am because I'm like, okay, this is like woke me up. Like, this is cool. This is something like I want to see. And it's very rare that I see a movie trailer. I'm like, I, I need to see that. Like, mm-hmm. I need, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I watch that. I'm like, I need, to, I need to see that. This is like important because this is stuff that people talk about right. every day now, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's so crazy. And I was even talking before about like, are we going to get rid of 
you know, all these things that we've held sacred, not necessarily sacred, but we've just held all these traditions in our heads for years that like a girl wears a dress and a guy doesn't, you right. know? And then I'm looking at the paper yesterday and um, the girl from Juno, the girl that played Juno. The farmer was, girl. Well, Ellen Page played Juno, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now, now Ellen Page is Elliot Page. Yep. And he's upset that when he did the Juno premiere, he had to wear a dress, you know? And it's really kind of wild. It's like, like they're, like he's saying, well, they forced me to wear a dress. I wanted to wear a suit and that's like really messed up. But I don't think anybody knew that he was trans then. So why would, you know what I mean? Like, it's like nobody knew. So why would anybody assume that if it was a woman that they would wear, you know, they, they, they're supposed to go to this event, they're going to wear a dress because that's what they normally wear to a premiere, you know? So it's, it was just very, conf- <laughs> it's very interesting to me, you know, that you're playing a pregnant girl in a movie and then they're like, you're outraged that you have to wear a, a dress to the thing. But I don't think she made a big stink of it either mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think like that would have, no big stink was made because guess what? Juno made millions and millions and millions of dollars. Juno was a great movie. I enjoyed it. It was a great movie. Yeah. It was a great movie. And Elliot Page is a great actor. Absolutely. You know, um, Inception, awesome. You know, like there's a lot of, I, I and I don't care what people, what adults do with themselves. But what I hear about this particular film that really interests me is uh, a lot of these hormones and uh, things that they're using. They're supposed to be like a surprise twist that nobody's been like letting out because it's like they don't want to ruin the movie about like what they actually do with these hormones. And like that's what's really making me want to see this film. I want to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. I want to see what I, I also want to see what's really going on. So I have a movie that I would love to make with a Daily Wire called Meatheads and you heard me pitch it, you know? And yeah. the reason I want to pitch it is I, okay, I just was watching a video on um, chickens, on eggs. And today's National Egg Day, Happy Egg Day, by the way. And it shows them pulling all the male chicks off the production line. They're just coming through and it's disgusting. Like they're pulling all these baby chickens and they're like, well, you know what they do with these male chickens? They kill them all because they're useless and they take the females and the females are the ones that will lay eggs, you know, and that's where we get our eggs from. But I'm curious, like, well, what about the pasture raised eggs? What about the good eggs? Like, are they being treated the same way? Like, is this a disgusting industry? Am I involved in something that like, I don't even really know what's going on because if I am, I want to change those things. I mean, if there's no way we can't, confess that there's a certain amount of animal cruelty feeding absolutely it's just how to reduce it is i guess the question right so so there's a lot of people i think that would think like me like oh well you know that's just the way it goes and blah blah blah. and like but i think when you when you actually like show these videos and you say no no they're killing thousands and thousands and thousands of chickens like after they're already born you know, you're kind of like, well, why? why? Why don't we have a different system? Why hasn't somebody figured this out better? You know, like, or are there certain eggs that I could buy that doesn't feed into that system because I don't want to feed into that system? Right. Because, you know, to me, in, in my opinion, what's funny, though, is like you would think that a guy like me that eats meat every day and promotes a carnivore diet would be like, ah, who cares? They're just killing a bunch of little baby chickens. But I do care. I don't, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's normal, you know? And so 
if they're treating our animals poorly and that's our food, I want to change that. There was that TV show that was out there about everyone, like, went. it was about people would go to hell and the whole show was about how to, like, uh, torture them in hell. It was, it was a comedy. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. But to get to the point, they said, oh, everyone goes to hell. So You, you acquire so much uh, bad karma just for participating in the factory farming that, that that's enough to send everybody to hell all in of its own. Yeah, you know, but then you look on the other side of it, and, um, and I know people are going to say this is a stretch, but this is actually true if you look it up. Plants have feelings. Plants cry when you kill them. Like, they can hear plants make noise when you kill them. Um, they, there's all sorts of things with plants. And, like, the, what people need to realize, and this is how we can maybe come together, is that for anything to live, something else has to die. There is no other way around it. I mean, the literal definition of food is a living thing eating something that is dead. You know, or still alive when they eat it, yeah. but it's dead by the time they digest it, right? It's a circle of life stuff right there. And that's what it is, though. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a plant or an animal. At, every, at one point, all the stuff that we ate lived. We don't eat dirt, right? Well, dirt doesn't live, right. but we don't, we don't eat it, right? That's interesting. We don't eat rocks, right. you know? We don't drink water from the ocean. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, we, we don't, it's like the things that we um, eat, you know, usually are like, have a life. They had a life. Or have. They had some life. Yeah. And then it's all like about like, well, what kind of life did it have, you know? And then it's hard to argue though that like, okay, well, why don't vegans eat eggs? I, I get it. This is inhumane, but well, why don't you eat like mussels or like, uh, what is it? Like oysters that don't, they don't have a brain or a central nervous system. They don't feel you killing them. Like they don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that you could eat. Yeah. potentially right? right so i don't know it's i find it all like really interesting and i feel like if if i did a deep dive into meat and how our food is produced it would be really really interesting to see like if i got to do if i had the budget to be able to go do what i want to do and go investigate these things it would be awesome yeah you know because i i don't think i don't know i think people just go like yeah meat's fine like in the beginning, honestly, like I wanted to make a movie that just defended meat. And now I'm like, no, no, no. Go the other way. Go the other way and prove, prove to yourself that you're right by showing how wrong things are. Is that what are you saying? Strongman it? Strongman the pro meat argument? Isn't that the. Isn't that the term that. Uh, well, I'm saying. Samuel, Sam Harris says you, you strongman it, you, 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 you tackle. The best argument against you. Yeah. See how it holds up. Yeah, yeah. Tackle these arguments against me mm -hmm. to see, like, am I right or am I wrong? Because to me, that's more interesting than me just telling you, don't be a pussy. Meat's good for you. Eat it. Eat a bunch of it. Kill everything. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a good, right. it's not a good route to go. So I think the way to do a film like Meatheads, you know, it is very interesting because we are sponsored by a meat company. And I did go to visit their farms. And the first thing I asked is, can we go to the slaughterhouse? And they're like, oh, well, that's not like on our agenda. And I'm like, well, why not? And they're like, well, you know, like, it's just, we, we didn't think you'd want to see that. I'm like, oh, no, no, that's all I want to see. Right. Honestly, I don't care how you treat them in the field. They're out in a field, you know, and then some of them go to feedlots. Some of them don't go to feedlots. 
I get that. There's arguments for and against that. Cows are herd animals. A lot of them actually like the feedlots. They like being together from what I hear. Um, I'm not supporting that, but I'm saying this is the argument for it. But then when it gets down to the slaughterhouse, I'm like, well, why don't I want to see that? And they're like, well, it's not very pretty. And I'm like, but that's what I need to see. Like if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be a meat eater and I'm gonna do this and I do it every day without seeing the, the violence behind it or know the violence behind it or just know that it's okay. Hey, it's actually very humane the way they do it. But I need to see that in order to make that judgment. You know, I can't just make that judgment. Chris, I'm so disconnected with that stuff. I will sometimes open up a pack of ground beef and a little bit of blood is seeps out one way or the other. And you just feel like, oh, my God, what am I involved with right <laughs> now? I'm, I've never hunted before. I've never, yeah. I've never killed anything bigger than a spider before. You yeah. Know, it's And here's the thing. I found myself like um, eating half the chicken wings and throwing the other other ones away. And I'm. I've gotten like sick to my stomach going like you just threw away like a dead animal. Like you just completely disrespected what you're, what you're talking about. People should respect their food. Like if it's, I don't know. It's, it's a really weird feeling when you're just throwing away dead animals. You know what I mean? Like you're like, what do we do? We, we have extra meat on the plate. We just scrape it off into the garbage because there's more coming tomorrow, you know? And like, I don't think that's right either. So how do we, and, and now I try to not waste food, but every once in a while I find myself going, I'm not that hungry. I'll just throw this out. But, you know, now I'm much more into like taking it and putting it away and eating it the next day or something like that. But, you know, I know you're like a leftovers guy. I'm not much of a leftovers guy. Yeah. I was raised on left. You know, I, I was raised by my grandparents who were children of the depression. Yeah. You know, they, and my grandparents, you know, they 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 died a comfortable lower middle class, but they were definitely had many years of poverty before they met each other and after they met each other. And the thought of throwing away good food, not acceptable. Yeah, house I was raised, not acceptable. Yeah, I'll, I'll cook something wrong, and I'll be like, ah, I just throw it out. Like, get, <laughs> yeah. you know, like if I cook a steak and it's medium instead of medium rare, yeah, I'm not like ah, I'll just cook another one. Yeah. Cause it's like, and that's terrible though. And I don't ever want, you know, I feel like, um, now when I cook, I'm actually like way more attentive to the food. So I used to like cook and I would be taking a shower, doing 10 other things while I'm cooking. And now I just cook because I feel like I waste food when I do other things because I'll end up overcooking it. I'll forget about it. I'll ruin it, whatever. But now I just, I literally cook and I concentrate on cooking so that I don't waste food. Which is kind of one of the superpowers of the air fryer right you, you if you know if you know your stats if you know i can put ground beef in at 390 for 10 minutes if yeah. i splat it out lean enough and you know that comes out perfect comes out perfect yeah and that's kind of one of the you know one of the great many things it's, it's a low supervision food for the most part you're not standing over it having to flip it or, or deal with it yeah well you know what i find in the air fryer though is like if you throw something in the air fryer and then you go do something and come back then if you come back too late and it's been sitting in the air fryer oh, true. because the air fryer is still hot, true. it'll still overcook it. Right. So you got, you got to just make sure you uh, time these things out. Right. Good. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, I want to make a documentary that makes a difference, but I want to make a documentary where people see the trailer and they have that reaction. They had to Matt Walsh. I need to see this. Yes. 
You know, like I would love to do uh, a documentary on Ibogaine and I would love to show people, um, you know, hey, 100,000 people died of fentanyl in the US and then show somebody getting right off fentanyl with Ibogaine, like in a trailer and, and just say, this person just got off fentanyl, right? I just had my cousin who's 27 years old die because, um, because she got drugs with fentanyl in it, you know? And I just spent the last two days editing a memorial to her for my aunt, you know? So my aunt sent me a bunch of pictures and like, hey, can you put this, put this together? Now, given that this girl, Casey, my cousin, she was 27, she was a beautiful girl, and she was only 27 years old and she kept going on and off of drugs and her whole drug problem started going back to our big pharma thing. Her whole drug problem started when she was like seven years old and was disruptive in class and was given Adderall and Ritalin. When she was 11, I interviewed Casey for Bigger, Stronger, Faster. She had all these nervous tics. She was really hard to talk to. She wasn't paying attention when I was interviewing her, you know, um, and she was having a really hard time with it. And the reason why her mom, Stephanie, my aunt, who's amazing, let me interview her, she's like, I don't think this is right. She's like, they gave her all these drugs and now I think she's all messed up. And they've been struggling with her. They struggled with her her whole life, you know, in and out of different uh, rehabs and different places. And unfortunately, she was trying to get her life back together. And this seems what happens to a lot of addicts, trying to get her life back together. And um, she got some drugs that were laced with fentanyl and she died. You know, meanwhile, meanwhile, her cousin is out here on the West Coast helping people get off of these drugs like crazy. However, I think most people, it's hard because like what I do to help people with Ibogaine, I think like people don't really connect the dots. Like this really is an answer. This really is something that is really, really effective for these drugs. Mm. Now, to get somebody off drugs long-term is really, really hard because they have to have some willpower with it. But the nice thing about Ibogaine is even if you took somebody kicking and screaming um, and they did the treatment, they're not gonna crave it afterwards. And that is a huge, huge help in helping people move forward you know, with it. Um, and, you know, those are the kind of documentaries I want to make. Those are the stories that I want to tell. Is like, how can we change the world with a, a few, like, you know, like little things. Like, if I tell people, let's just turn up the volume of uh, meat that you eat and put more protein into your diet and do these little, these little steps, walk more, get more sun, right? These things that are real easy. You can make a huge difference in somebody's life by letting somebody know, letting parents know that if their kid's in an extreme situation, there's drugs like Ibogaine. But if they're not in extreme situations, there's also AA and there's Kratom and there's a million other things. And like my bigger problem with like the, um, in, in the sobriety community is that people get down on each other for how they treat sobriety, right? Uh, when I was doing Kratom, a lot of people were telling me like, well, you're just bouncing from drug to drug, you know? And in a way you kind of are. But sometimes you need to do that. Well, now listen. Sometimes though. you need what's called harm reduction. Listen, though, that is uh, that is a time-tested method of AA. If anybody's had any experience of AA, and I, I'm I'm going back to the '80s when I was involved with you know being saddled up with my dad in AA, being yeah, so much cigarettes and so much coffee in AA meetings. 
I mean, it, it seems like swapping addictions sometimes can kind of be a benefit if if you do. It's the- a huge benefit because what it is is exactly what you're saying. It's harm reduction. Harm reduction. Cigarettes. So I, I went to the head of my rehab when I was at Cliffside Malibu. And I'm like, Richard, this is driving me crazy. I can't take it anymore. Everybody here but me smokes. Every single person. Right. You have 40 people in rehab. Every single person smokes but me. And I'm like, why do you allow them to smoke? Why, like you, you know, you don't smoke. You're like, you're a full bore kind of guy. And he's like, Chris, we just take care of the addictions in the order that they're killing us. Okay. And I'm like, why do you make so much sense? So why? And he's like, you know, he's like, look, uh, a sugar addiction, it's going to take a long time to kill somebody. A cigarette addiction, it's going to take a long time to kill somebody. Coffee addiction, it'll take forever to kill somebody. You know, he's like, these things, these drugs, they'll kill you tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, I, I can accept that and get that. Um, and so, you know what? I stopped getting mad about people smoking cigarettes at rehab. I just figured, like, that's part of it, whatever. Like, and then I started taking Kratom after rehab. So how can I be judgmental just because, like, that person can get through their day with nicotine and it helps them to not drink alcohol, which can be very deadly for people. If they use nicotine to do it and I use Kratom to do it, What's really the difference? And that's the way I started looking at things. And so then I started looking up like, well, now I can help more people because those things aren't barriers to me. I understand those things. When people are like, oh, well, I need a cigarette. I'm not like, well, quit that too. You know? And I, I think a lot of those things are, are interesting. Like if you can break down those barriers rather than be like, I don't know. I tell people all the time, like I don't go to AA and I don't, I don't like AA, but AA helped me immensely. So I still recommend it to people because I know how helpful it can be. And so like just because you don't use a certain method or a certain thing doesn't mean that it's not valuable and it's not helpful because I think most of the stuff I learned about sobriety actually was like through the AA program. And then you get deeper into it, right? And you start looking into things like I have, like psychedelics, Mm -hmm. and you realize like, oh, these guys also use psychedelics. Mm -hmm. You know, Bill, who started AA, you know, used LSD to get off of drinking alcohol. Is that hushed now? They try to hush it, but it, it's it's almost stupid. It's like, we're so much smarter now. It, okay, I, I had considered, I have thought about bringing it up and, I, and I, I've told myself no, but it seems like it's, it's on your mind. So I, I wanna go into this a little bit. Did you listen to the Neil Brennan podcast with yes. Joe Rogan? Yep. Okay, I, I have a friend that's curious about psilocybin and I, I certainly wouldn't condone you know, acquiring that for my friend, you know, but I said, if this was something that, okay, maybe I don't need to be coy. Uh, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm in the process, right? I said, I think you should watch this podcast before you go in there because I, I, you know, this friend was sort of like, Hey, I've heard you talk about it. I've heard people talk about what is it? Is it like just a good kickback party drug? I'm like, it's nothing like a good kickback party drug. In fact, I think you should like that was one of the most comprehensive uh, psychedelic conversations I've ever seen in my life. And I felt, you know, very educated to yeah. hear what, he, what Neil Brennan went through over that. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that you can take mushrooms for fun, but I don't think that that's their purpose. You know, I think like people can take them and have fun. Like, you can take them and go to a party. You can take them and go uh, on a light dose you're not going to take an extreme dose of mushrooms and want to go to a party. You'll feel terrible, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, I and and I know a lot of people, almost everyone I talked to, this is actually interesting. I was having a conversation with a guy at this Greg Glassman event that we went to, this CrossFit event. And um, this guy's very high up in like the keto community, right? Like he's one of the top, top influencers in that, in that space. And we were talking about it and he kept saying microdose, microdose, microdose. And I'm like, stop, stop with the microdose. You need to do a macrodose. Huh. And, and it's like, I don't recommend that to, to everybody, but like, I, I know this guy and I know how he is. And I'm like, you need to get hit. Like, I feel that um, to feel the full power of mushrooms, you can microdose them and that's great. But if you really, really want to know the power of them, then the macro dose is the way to go. However, there's a lot of things people should consider with that. I think they should step into it. I think they, you know, you work up from one gram, maybe do another trip of two grams, maybe another trip of three grams, and then you'd ramp up to like five grams or more, and that would be like a heroic dose. And also like based on body weight, if you weigh 100 pounds, I don't think you need five grams. Maybe you need three and a half grams, mm-hmm. you know, like, and if you weigh 400 pounds, maybe you need six grams. I, I don't know. Like, so it's like, those are things that people would have to talk to other people with knowledge of it and experience with it. I mean, there are no real experts in it, right? It's all just people that have done it. It's mm-hmm. just people with experience. The one thing I can say though, is that they are very safe. The only time I feel that psychedelics are not safe are with people that have really severe mental health issues already, mm-hmm. I really wouldn't advise that they take them on their own without supervision. But anybody that's like fairly normal on their own mentally, mm-hmm. um, I feel like mushrooms can be of great benefit for you know anxiety, depression, um, and even for pain. Like I said, I, I feel a lot of relief of chronic pain whenever I use them. Uh, I, you know, I've never heard of anybody dying from mushrooms. You know, I think like maybe there's been some incidents where like maybe people have done some stupid things on mushrooms that may have led to their their demise. But I remember like the first time I ever took mushrooms, I was with my buddy Carlos who comes to the gym here. And we were like out on this like cliff in San Francisco area. And I'm like, I'm not going to jump off this cliff, am I? He's like, no. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I don't want to take them here. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you're not going to want. And, and so I took him and I trusted him and I had no feeling of wanting to jump off the cliff. And mm-hmm. I thought I was like, I can fly. You know, and he's like, no, it's, it's not really like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously you want to do them in safe places. And we weren't like right next to a cliff, but we were close enough to where it, it entered my head. What about the? And so I just say like, be in a safe place, be around good people and, you know, work your way up. For people that have dug into it, how much have you heard about these bleed over moments that he was talking about where he was out of the trip by days and weeks, but yet was still getting sucked back into a trip while driving or while, while was living Was he a saying life. that was from mushrooms or was that from ketamine? Uh, ketamine, I think. Yeah, it's... ketamine. I've never done ketamine, so I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one of the ones that I haven't tried yet. The only things I haven't really tried are like ketamine and ayahuasca, I think. Um, and I haven't done a real MDMA, like real MDMA. I've had like some kind of like sketch, you know, supposedly MDMA, mm-hmm. but I don't think it, like, I think to get the real MDMA, it's really hard to actually get it mm-hmm. and obtain it. So I haven't had that, but you know, I don't know. Like every time, all I can say is this, every time I've done 
uh, mushrooms, which is about, I would say probably about 20 times, like done a full, full blown like dose. And every time I've done a full blown dose, I've just come out of it feeling better. However, there's also a lot of like the one thing I think people should be warned of. There's a lot of depression that comes with it, too. So you're like up here. You're, you know, you're like, I love everybody. Everything's awesome. And then you come back to reality and you come back to reality. You're like, oh, this isn't as awesome as it was in the trip. Like in the trip, I saw everything is awesome. But now that I'm back in reality, like when you're in the trip, you think you can do anything, anything. I'm like, why don't I just call Joe Rogan right now and tell like, no, that would be a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but that's the way you think. You're like, I could just call Joe Rogan and he can help me like do this or that. Whatever. Like you just think like weird shit, right? But then when you come down out of it, you're like back to reality and you're like, no, that, that would never work, you know? And, um, and then you get really sad. So one of the uh, ways to avoid that uh, is to use a supplement called 5-HTP, which is a, like a serotonin re- in, um, serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitor. inhibitor? Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure. Anyway, so 5-HTP. Um, and you can look in the protocols of that for like post, you almost like, um, it's almost like doing steroids. You need like post-cycle therapy. Mm-hmm. You need like post-trip therapy. That's the cruise. Yeah. Well, like, well, <laughs> no, it's just, psychedelic world. it's just like the net. Yeah. Kind of like blasting cruise. So it's like, if you blast on the mushrooms on Friday, I'm so proud of myself for saying that phrase correctly. Then, then Saturday, then Saturday, you want to take the five HTP and probably on Sunday also, yeah. just a couple days after. And it'll help you to uh, normalize your serotonin levels because they go from so high to so low that you might feel depressed the day after. So the only negative of a big mushroom trip for me has ever been the come down, you know, but everything else has been real positive. I always do it in a, I usually just do it at my house and I just do it in my living room mm-hmm. and I try to, um, I don't think like doing it and being, I, I think the computer's the worst place to be on mushrooms, like absolute worst. Mm-hmm. I think you should shut your phone off mm-hmm. unless you're like listening to music. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I usually do is I'll put on like, I might put on like YouTube and put on like music videos or something, yeah, something more like that, experience. something more like that, like where I'm not, nothing where I have to, con- like I'm, I'm not going to sit and watch a documentary. Yeah. Uh, and I would, I would recommend not trying to watch a UFC fight. That's no, what I did. I wouldn't do that either. That was a bad idea. That was a really bad idea. Of, I mean, not. I've done it a few times in a, a quiet a quiet room with uh, with a good YouTube, either one of those like visually stimulating videos where it kind of tries to recreate that whole, you know, almost like that Doctor Strange look when he was getting blasted into outer space or and listening to some music is really cool, or or just a, a silent dark room. I yeah, found. you know, um, Terrence McKenna, who's sort of the expert on all this stuff, who yeah. he passed away a while back, um, but he always said the best place to do psychedelics is in a dark room by yourself. I, I agree. The the one-up level that we can't all afford is the Joe Rogan way of doing it, oh. where you go into the um, deprivation tank, yeah. sensory deprivation tank. Have yeah. you ever floated before? I would love to, but I never have. That's another thing we should go do. You know, we okay, so we have a list of three or four things. Honestly, as friends, we got to start doing one a month. Yeah. Like, uh, we got to do the float tank. The float tank, the cryo the go watch Russell buy a pistol. Um, the float tank would be great with some mushrooms. Uh, yes, yes, it'd be phenomenal. Or I, just some edibles. Our guy is out there. 
He's been giving me a little bit of a run around for the last week and a half. Apparently, life has thrown him some obstacles. Hey, look, guy, give us a call. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, we text. Yeah, but uh, uh, and he's been nothing but positive and, and joyful so far. So I'm sure that he's had some real hangups that yeah. seem legit. But uh, this is this is a reality that we can accommodate. Yeah, I think that psychedelics are the are like they are the steroids of the brain world. You know, like they are. They're phenomenal for what they can do. And I don't think everybody should just run out and do them. I'm not saying that. But I think that, like, I've had a lot of issues in my life. I've mm-hmm. had a lot of shit go down, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I don't know. When I do these, I come out more positive. I come out happy. Um, I find that I'm less lost. I'm more focused on what it is I want to do. Uh, and I feel like without using them as a crutch, when I get to a point where, like, I feel like I'm due right now because, like, I've gotten to a point where I feel like um, I'm a little bit lost on, like, the next step, you know, like, the next step. And I know when I do mushrooms or even, like, I think Mark and I talk about this all the time. Um, in our experience, I think that um, doing LSD may be, may be more of a mind opener even than, than the mushrooms. Mm. Like, the times I've done... LSD have been awesome, like all upside. The times I've done mushrooms, there's been a couple of bad mushroom trips. Mm. Like, and by bad mushroom trips, I really mean like nothing where I came out of it like, oh, I'm so negative or nothing like that. Literally just um, they hurt my stomach really bad. Mm. They made me feel really sick. They made me feel like vomit, like I wanted to vomit or maybe I did vomit like once or twice and on you them. Didn't, you didn't do those on an empty stomach or you did? Uh, I usually do it on an empty stomach. See, the one time I vomited, I I didn't, I I I I didn't go into it on an empty stomach, or I may have ate shortly after. Yeah. And so I've I've learned, and I've only done it like five times now. So. Well, the amounts that I'm talking that are like rough on my system, they're they're big amounts, like they're large amounts of mushrooms. Right. Yeah. So they're over five grams of mushrooms. Right. So <clears throat> the way to avoid that like hurting your stomach or screwing you up is the way I do it where I grind it up in a, um, I grind it up in a coffee grinder. Yeah. And then I'll usually like, um, what's weird is it, it mixes up. It's like gross. It like mixes up all dusty. You yeah. Know? Well, I, I've done that. It's like a gross yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So you got to get it like all mixed in as some like, you know, some sort of uh, liquid like juice or something like that mm-hmm. and drink it. Or like what's really good to do is I like putting it in like coffee because the coffee's hot and it dissolves nice and, and easy. Mm-hmm. And so if you can like, if you can blend it into a coffee and sit and sip on the coffee for like half an hour, that will hit you like a ton of bricks. See, and I, I've missed out so many benefits of like the power of a hot coffee because I'm a 12 year old and I like ice in yeah. my coffee. And, but all this like dissolve your creatine, dissolve your well. What you could does, do, it, you just it just doesn't happen. It once you include ice into that. So what you do is you make hot coffee, you put the mushrooms in it, put whatever else you want in it to sweeten it or mm-hmm. make it taste good, and then you just dump ice in it. Yeah, maybe. And that'll work just fine. I still, I found. Because maybe. it'll dissolve all in, and once it's dissolved in, it's not coming out. It won't, it won't re-congeal back into powder? Not really. Okay. No, it'll, I mean, because it's, you're going to drink it right after that. That's true. Yeah. So that's another way to do it. Another way to do it's called Lemon Tech, where you, um, grind it up with a coffee grinder 
and you take like straight lemon juice and just squirt straight lemon juice on it. And then for 20 minutes, you mix that up every five minutes. You, you kind of like mix it. So you just basically take, you know, like the lemon that you buy at the store, yeah. like the plastic lemon, yeah. you, you squeeze one of those, like, you know, a whole bunch of it mm-hmm. onto the mushroom, get it all wet. No water, just, just that. And you mix that up. And it, so it makes like what they call slurry, right? It's like, it's the ingredients, but it's like very concentrated. And then you dump some water in there and maybe a little sweetener or you use like crystal light or something, boom, and you just drink that. And that will hit you like a ton of bricks in like five minutes. Really? Yeah, because what the lemon does is the lemon, like I said, you mix it up for like every five minutes, you just want to give it a little stir and you want to do that for 20 minutes. When 20 minutes is up, when it's been in the lemon juice for 20 minutes, psilocybin has turned into psilocin, which is the active ingredient, which will hit you like a ton of bricks. So what if- Hit you right away. What if I grind it and then like put it in a Nutribullet and then like every five minutes just- Hit that blend with the juice in it. Just blend it, you know, blend it for five minutes, wait five minutes, blend it again, wait and do that. Yeah, just hit the button a couple times. Hit the button a couple of times and then pour the water at the very end, hit it one more time and try to down it. Yeah, it would totally work. I'm trying it. Next time I get actual caps, that's the way I'm going to try it. Yeah, and then the capsules you would just dump out in there. You know, usually I get, um, usually people just give, like, whenever I get mushrooms, they're always like a gift. Like, I don't have a guy. Right. You know what I mean? Like people just are like, here, here's a bag. And it's like yeah. a huge bag of mushrooms. Like one of my friends gave me like 50 grams of mushrooms one day. Yeah. And I was like, I'll never go through all this. Yeah. Then like three weeks later, I'm like, they're all gone. I'll tell you this right now. I'm just. And, and it's where I got a lot of experimentation in though. You And you tell me if you want me to edit this out or not. But our guy loves you. And his guy above him loves you just as much. And they're really trying to figure out how to bring all the Colorado laws to California. And they said, if you ever want to get involved with anything, just reach out. Yeah. So just, just throwing that out there because they love you. Yeah. A lot of people love you, by the way. Oh, thank you. I, you know, I would love to get involved in something like that because I feel it's a way to heal people. Exactly. And I that's, feel, and that's, and I think that's the draw I, to you. I don't want to, I don't want to get involved. Like, yeah, everybody should do drugs. Like I'm not a drug guy. I don't like drug. I don't like, being messed up you know like i don't you know i used to drink every day i i hated the way i acted i hated the way i felt about myself i felt like an idiot a lot of times um i don't like being high in public you know like yeah i like i like a little vape pen but i don't like doing it in front of my family i don't like doing it in front of my friends like i i don't know i don't like people to be around me you know i just kind of like to do it at home to relax Mm. you know and then with like the mushrooms and stuff like I, i don't yeah, I'm not. I'm not the party guy anymore. I used to be that guy. You I, know, you, I, I find a little bit of cannabis can spur some great conversations. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, Mark and I used to work at this bar called Sharky's in Hermosa Beach, and when I wasn't the nights that I wasn't working, like everybody knew us, so it's so easy to just go there and get free drinks all night, get hammered, you know, and um, it. But then thinking back on it, it's like. I actually worked there, and a lot of people saw me really hammered when I wasn't working. And, like, that's not good either. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the way that you present yourself in front of people is actually very, very important. Yeah. And I've gone completely opposite of that guy. Like, I want people to meet me and go, wow, that's what a nice guy, and he's really knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to be like, man, that guy was so, like, you know, mm-hmm. messed up when <laughs> I saw him. or You know, like, yeah. that's, and that's what I used to get. Or yeah. I used to be embarrassed to see somebody again. Yeah. Because they'd be like, oh, last time I saw you, man, you were, like, 
three sheets to the wind and you're right. like, what did I say? What did I do? You know, and when you're good with yourself, you don't have to do that. And that mm-hmm. goes back to uh, doubling down on yourself. You know, one of the things I'm the most proud of really is just that a lot of people hit me up and ask me, you know, how to get off of drugs or how to get off of booze or how to, you know, do this or do that. And I just, just like lay it out to them. I'm like, look, there's no real, like the one thing that you need to do is figure out how to stay away from it. It's the same thing with food. It's the same exact thing with, with food. So when you're trying to stay sober, you need to stay away from alcohol. And when I, that's why, like I, it's kind of why I think the war on carbs with me clicked. Like I am way better with abstinence than I am with control. And that's something that you need to know about yourself. Are you better with abstinence? Are you better at, are you better doing like 100% or nothing? Or are you pretty good at 95%? Because if you're really good at 95% and you can have the 5%, you, you just have a lot more flexibility in your life. So like when I give somebody a diet, if somebody's like, look, you tell me what to eat, I'll eat it. Mm-hmm. I can give them more flexibility in their diet. Mm-hmm. But when somebody's like, I have no flexibility, I will eat, every, if I start eating carbs, I'll eat everything, then I'll say, well, just cut them out of your diet. Right. Like, that's why I do that stuff. Right. Because I'm not good with compliance. And for the most part, I successfully cut a carbs out of my diet for a year, lost, what, 50, 52 pounds for a year. This last month, I have been efforting to reinstitute healthier and controlled carbs back into my diet. Fruit. Some veggies and and this and then this is where it gets scary. Rice, <laughs> you know, I, I it's I, not I, scary. I was just going to tell you, I ate rice last night. I feel, I feel the best I've felt in a long time today. And this is where I'm going with this. Like maybe you need to change your diet. Yeah, is like you know me. I get dug down. I'm like carnivore, 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 mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, look, I am sick. Like I'll go home and I'll eat like two or three steaks. I'm just sick of meat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what if I just eat like a pound of ground beef and some rice. And I ate that last night and I had fruit for dessert and that's all I ate all day. I fasted the entire day. And then I ate that at night. I feel fantastic And, and when you say some rice, how many cups of cooked rice does that mean to you? It's a cup and a half. Of cooked rice? Yes. Yeah, okay. So it's like um, I buy, like I'm the worst. I'm not very uh, economical in mm-hmm. my ways. Mm-hmm. I buy these bags of rice yep. that I just put in the microwave for a minute 30. Oh, but they're kind of expensive. They're like three fifty each for a bag of rice. So when, when you're home alone and convenience and efficiency, yeah. is, I mean, there's you know my stupid thing, and I should probably just we should probably go do it right after this. I should probably just go buy a rice cooker. Yeah. Um, because I think I'm gonna go back to more of like a vertical diet. Because here's the deal, I've been doing a lot of reading on dieting, and like I said, things haven't been working as easily as they've worked in the past. So, hey, maybe change it up. Maybe mm-hmm. it's time to change things, mm-hmm. right? So what I'm thinking of doing is if, okay, what, what have I done for the past year, right? Or since, since the beginning of this year, almost every day, skip breakfast, right? So yesterday, I actually, I didn't skip breakfast. Instead of skipping breakfast, I had a protein shake in the morning, right? Then I fasted all day until about 8 o'clock at night. Is like I didn't eat till like eight o'clock at night last night, mm-hmm. and then I ate steak, rice, and fruit, and and I feel great today. And so, there is a reason to actually eat breakfast. There is a reason to maybe have something like a protein shake in the morning, then fast, 
you know, like, so you could still fast. You could still, use, I'm still incorporating intermittent fasting, yeah. but I'm just incorporating it in the middle of the day because what I'm finding is I have a lot of belly fat. The only place on my body where there's fat is on my belly. Uh-huh. And I'm reading all this stuff and I don't know if it's true or not. I'm not an expert. I don't know. I, I, I don't check my cortisol levels, but basically what they say is that when you breakfast skippers have really high cortisol and they tend to retain a lot of belly fat. That visceral brown fat. And so that's if, heart attack, stroke fat, by the way. Yeah. So if you get rid of that, like if, if you if you eat breakfast, you can lower your cortisol levels early in the morning, and supposedly that will help fend off cravings later. Because a lot of times, what I do is I I won't eat all day, and then I'll binge. I'll eat like thirty five hundred calories from six p.m. to ten p.m. You know, and that's not good either. You know, so. It's I'm trying to figure it all out. Like when we talked to Mike Dolce, I thought that was a really reasonable conversation yeah. when he said, Hey, eat four meals a day, spread them out. I have such disordered eating that things for things like that for me are actually kind of hard. You, okay. So this marks the one year journey of me sort of being reintroduced back into your guys's circle and friendship of Mark. I mean, I know we happy anniversary. Yes. Happy. Thank you. And, and what I've decided to commemorate that is to kick off what I did a year ago and do an OMAD diet this month. Yeah. But the variation I've added to it is I'm having my coffee, but I'm making it a protein shake in the morning. But then after that, no, no lunch, no afternoon snackies, and uh, come dinner time. And I would even say to have a protein shake, and if you're doing like, you know – I would say to have a protein shake and even add a little fat into it would not be a bad idea. Which which can be uh, in the form of cream because I like yeah. to do it in my coffee. So if you like to do it in your coffee, it'd yeah. be like a like a like literally I'm talking like a splash of heavy cream. I'm not talking a lot. Like a like a two tablespoons table uh, at the most, which is a couple hundred calories. I mean, yeah, so no, it's, it, it can add fast, right? But one or two tablespoons of heavy cream, uh, you know, whatever uh, whatever is the most high quality protein shake I can throw in there and some coffee is what I'm doing. And then for dinner, it, it you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, uh, I like, I, I like, I'm a person of habit. I, I've been having a lot of ground beef, you know, one or two cups of rice and then maybe a little fruit afterwards is, you know, sometimes I've had some green beans thrown in there. Sometimes I've had a salad instead of rice. Sometimes the the only thing I'm afraid of with the rice cooker, right, is I'm I'm an animal when it comes to food. Right. And so, like, if I cook up, like, 10 cups of rice in a rice cooker. Right. I might eat all. I might eat all of it out of the thing. So, it's, it, which leads me to. So, which leads me to those packets being great because. That's a good point. If. If I only buy like one or like I bought last night when I went to the store, I bought two of those packets Mm -hmm. because I wanted to have one last night and I want to have one today. Mm -hmm. And if I want to have one today, I couldn't eat both of them last night. But if I had like six of them, I might eat two of them in a night. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I do that. Yeah. So that and I think I I'd love to. I'd love to be proven wrong with this, but I think I have about as small of a rice cooker as you can have. It does minimum one cup of uncooked rice up to like two and a half. Maybe that's why I need a small one so I don't have like a – because I used to have this rice cooker and I don't have this giant vat of rice. Yeah. And I just keep dipping into it all day. Yeah. that's See, that's a concern of mine. Now, one of the best meals that you can make with rice, bar none, is you take the Piedmontese 96% uh, lean ground beef. You cook that up in a pan and – you put it over the rice, and then you take the G. Hughes 
orange marin orange teriyaki marinade, mm-hmm. and you throw that on top. It's well, one of the best things you'll ever eat. I'm, I'm so I it's crazy. It. I love it when we kind of our orbits of thinking sort of naturally cross. And I'm not just trying to jump on your bandwagon or that. Yeah, like I didn't even know you were doing that. Yeah. We hadn't really had a chance to This was not (laughs) pre-discussed. Not at all. Yeah. So. And I I just randomly had rice yesterday because I was like, you know what, man? I'm feeling kind of beat up. And I'm like, I, I, what I'm thinking is that when I say there's a war on carbs and carbs are killing people, I mean Oreos. I mean Ritz crackers, and now they actually make. Have you seen this? The Oreo. This looks like magic, by the way. I shouldn't even bring it up. They, they've made a an Oreo Ritz combo that looks like the fattest thing in the world. So it's look it up. It's an Oreo on like this is amazing. You know, like the Ritz crackers with the peanut butter. Oh my god! Remember those sandwiches they oh would make? So it's a Ritz cracker with the peanut butter layer, and then the other half is an Oreo, and you eat them together because I think they're made by the same company. Oh my. God. God. <laughs> Chris, what are what yeah yeah? Look at it, look at it, look at what is this roll? Oh wait, go back to Nutter Butter Cakes. What was that? Go back. Oh, yeah. What's the Nutter Butter Cakesters? Oh, yeah, over here. No, on right, the right. Left. No, on the right. Oh, an Eggo Waffle Pop Tarts. What is this? <laughs> Click that. Oh, this is amazing. Oh my God. You know what? We need to send this to Ron Penna and tell him they need Legendary Foods needs to make. The chaffle pop tart. That's it. Chaffle pop tart. I mean, this is how we discussed it, right? Pre-made, pre. I don't. Yeah. I should send that to Ron. Because the reality is, and this is why I don't think there'd be any problem with the FDA giving out a uh, home version of baby food formula. Most young parents, their their most sparse resources, time. And the convenience of being able well, to go make. What I wanted to talk to, like, people that we know, like Ron Penna, for example, who has been done a ton of, like, he's the guy that created Quest Nutrition, has done a ton of cancer research. I wanted to bring up to him because he's also, like, works on, you know, making healthy dog food and all that stuff. And I'm, I want to ask him, like, why not baby food? Have you looked into it? Because he's a genius. He'll figure it out. Look at, click on this Ritz thing, though. Right here? Yeah. I mean, look at... I mean, that is processed food heaven. Okay, here. I mean, now that, those look so, they're probably so good. <laughs> and, and that's what keeps people eating. You know, that's what fuels the fire. So, so Ritz, peanut butter, Oreo spread, and an Oreo cookie on the other side. Yeah. That's wild. And I would eat, as, however big the package was. That's how many I would have. I can't put that shit in my house. I might have two of those packages. <laughs> I mean, maybe you will. I mean, uh, yeah. So I, that's what we're up against. That, you know? I mean, that's crack to me. That's what we're battling. We're battling and shit like that. that's the war on carbs. That's why I resonate. But you, you know what the worst is that like when something like this comes out, I'm like, I kind of need to try that. It's kind of like how before the fentanyl crisis, I had always told myself I kind of need to try cocaine. Yeah. But I, God rest her soul. But... You can't trust it anymore. No. So I don't, I don't, no. that, that, that bucket list item got erased. Yeah. I had to erase it off. Yeah. It's a, it's just. Ugh. So maybe the, how can we erase this one? And it, they, it's funny because um, every time they make a new, every time I go on a diet, every time I switch my diet, every time there's a new Oreo flavor. <laughs> like there's a new, like not necessarily Oreo too. Like it happens with like um, 
candy bars like yeah. Reese, Reese's made like an all peanut butter Reese's where it's like all peanut butter, like the, the outside's peanut butter and the inside's peanut butter. I'm like, I got to try that. I, I and it was know. amazing. You got to know what the competition's doing. Exactly. That's, that's, that's nutritional research. For In you. order to do nutritional research, we <laughs> must sometimes dive deep. It's so true, Chris. It's well, so look, true. let's go get some uh, Ritz Oreos. <laughs> no. I mean, twist my arm, maybe. <laughs> Not now. I mean, would it be possible to try like one and then throw away the rest of the? Th- you I, couldn't really throw away the rest of the. Th- so no. this is what we have to do. We have to take an oath that we we get one one package. We split it in half and say you're not allowed to have this until after dinner, and you only are allowed these three. And tell yeah, me, it wouldn't it. work. I couldn't make it. I couldn't make I, it. I mean, I'll 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 I'm an amazing. I want to keep saying like maybe it's not that good, and I know that that's I'm not a, true. I'm really good at being an enabler. I will go with you and. And watch you buy those. I saw or I saw yesterday in the supermarket. Um, <laughs> I I called them Fat Pride Oreos because they're 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 Oreos for like Pride Month. And I'm like I'm like oh that gives me your, like that's a good reason to buy Oreos. It's Pride Month, and it's like I'm supporting this. You know, it's got a rainbow on the yeah. Logo. It's got a rainbow. I'm so, I'm supporting. You know, <laughs> we put, like we put rainbows on these uh, Raytheon missiles. Yeah, yeah. We now. Well, they did put there was a thing on um, yeah. Instagram with like an army helmet with bullets that were like rainbow. Did you see that? I haven't seen it yet. That's crazy. Oh my god, things are getting wild. It, hey, so before they get too wild, let's get out of here before we before I get myself in trouble talking about this stuff. I love it. All right, later. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.